a.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> When you hear the weird, trippy music, you know it's two o'clock, and it's time on Mutiny Radio for... There are some who call me Tim. God, I can't ever time it out right. Tim! There it is, there it is. Uh, our special guest today on Some Call Me Tim is uh, a really great friend of mine for many, many, many years, and I'm very excited to find out what he believes in. Uh, it is Mike Scott. Hey, everybody. Hey, Mike Scott. Are you able to hear me okay? I hear you really loud because you keep turning up my headphones, which is too loud. There we go, there we go. Uh, I hear you wonderfully, and I'm so glad you took the time out of your busy schedule to be on Some Call Me Tim, the show where we find out what you believe in. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Um... I've been I've been a mutineer for a while now. Yeah, well, you were the original AltaCast. Yes, we started the AltaCast uh, up on the hill overlooking the ocean. Absolutely. Um, and then we I had a 420 show with another show I do here. Um, the, you used to do eatable, eatable exploits. Eatable exploits was a cooking show for a little while, and then I work with the team over at once a week, Geek Week, on Unleash the Rain. Oh, that's, the that's right! Why You're on the Unleash the Rain. Crazy? They're now on Thursdays from four to six. They change their day. Yeah, so every third week uh, on that, you can hear me talking about business and technology and geeking out on all that kind of nonsense right uh, Stacy and Vincent out. yeah it's yeah, fun people. and uh, you but you didn't start in business you started in in the arts and yes. you made the big switch you I sold did. out to the man uh huh but that, w- wisely well <laughs> some would say yes some would say no um, I guess we'll go into a little bit of backstory this might help understand how what I believe but um yeah, coming from the suburbs, moved out to San Francisco to pursue a career in poetry. Poetry, yes. Yes, yes the, the words. It's, so, it's such a lucrative business, you know, poetry. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so Pam and I actually met in college. Yep. She was a grad student, and I was a measly undergrad running around acting a fool. The creative writing student with great aplomb, doing lots of open mics and sharing your work with everyone and then taking over the brainwash for so long which was great yeah and then mg and i took over the brainwash and then we had some other co-hosts in there but i think it was just about seven years running the open mic at the brainwash which turned into a phenomenal uh comedy open mic now well yeah now there's comedy seven mics seven nights a week at the brainwash yeah but i think we started ushering in comedy because they used to not allow comics to join our mic that's true on monday nights it used to be a poetry only or um singer songwriter kind of thing yeah and then you brought in magic once there was a guy who chewed glass Uh uh-huh yeah we brought in magic he ate a light bulb um we had a girl named glitterous which was pretty interesting um yeah, those were those were fun fun times. Yep. And then they opened up the craft beer shop down the street which right, didn't city beer store. didn't help um remembering a lot of those exploits <laughs> but made them a lot more fun. Right. And you brought in your own music. You were trying to do 
you did well. You did a really great comedy album for Sammy Obeyed that hit like number one on the iTunes. Yeah, we got up on number one for a month on iTunes. Um, I did Trevor Joyner's first comedy album as well. Cool. Um, I forgot the title of that one, but yeah, we had a we had a really good time. Yeah. And then we published some books. We published your book. Yeah, published was, MG's poetry book as well. Yeah, yours was probably our best seller. Oh, that's so great. Um, I don't even have a copy anymore. I was looking for my signed copy at my house, but it's somewhere. So when I move, yeah. I will. Uh, I will be sure to find that. And then we did our friend Michelle Ryder's yeah. book of photography. Yeah. Um, which that really showed me what selling books is all about. <laughs> try selling poetry books. I can do that to a poetry crowd a little bit. But you try and sell photography books and know jack shit about photography. Right. That is a whole nother game. Well, you were all, you were all over the map. That was it, but ink, yeah. was, ink was great. And, um, and that was I'm, my first foray into business. And really into selling and stuff, and then I had to get a real time job. And and uh, yeah, and then you now you sell other things, not poetry. Yeah, <laughs> hawking, that's great. Hawking technology here in the the Silicon Valley. Well, every everyone everyone has to do something, and I'm glad that you found something that you can do with great aplomb. Yes, I Yay. think I'm, I'm good at it. Yay! Um, <laughs> well, you're a really personable guy. I don't know anybody who's met you that's like ah, that guy. I don't. I don't trust that guy. He's a dick. You're yeah. like a really nice, well-mannered, well-spoken adult See, man. It's funny because I talk to people about having a creative writing degree and they're like, oh, what creative writing? And I'm like, you don't understand. If you can, it, in my experience, if you can in the business world, in the personal world, networking, whatever your game is, whatever you're getting into, if you can speak well and you can write a good email nothing can stop you right and <laughs> i will great. say i talk to my coworkers a lot and i get these super lengthy drawn out just ridiculous emails right. that repeat themselves mm -hmm. and when you spend five years in english classes getting just especially poetry where it's supposed to be short and concise right all they do is tell you to revise your work right 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 so you go and take a three-page email you break it down into five bullet points sure it's like a paragraph and you look like <laughs> a rock star right 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 so there's we actually had a class not a class but a training session at work recently where half of it was about consolidating emails wow and i was like oh i got this right and um i got a little cocky i gotta say because the guy asked me, he's like, so Mike, what do you think of your email? Because we were reading them in front of the team. And I was like, it's perfect <laughs> in every way. <laughs> Just like me. Yes. <laughs> I am God. Uh, so I usually start out the first question here on some Call Me Tim with, do you believe in Jesus? That's an interesting question. Because <laughs> do I believe that there was a person named Jesus? Probably. I mean, there's a lot of Jesuses in the world. Absolutely. Um, so yes, a, a person named Jesus existed at some point. Do I believe in all the magic and mysticism surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ from the Christian religion? Absolutely not. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of mixed feelings about this. Grew up Christian, but it... I would think that there's a lot of good teachings mm -hmm. that came from that half of the Bible. Um, I'm sure your listeners are probably pretty well aware, but the first half was all kind of like, 
an angry god's gonna kill everybody. Right. It's all right to uh, murder and rape your neighbors. Sure. I mean, that's what you need to do. And then well, the second, well, your enemies. Your enemies. Your okay. Enemies. You love your neighbors. No, the love of your neighbor self is in the New Testament, but you weren't supposed to murder anybody or cover your neighbor's wife. But if they're not your neighbor, if they're your enemy, then God will smite them. Yeah, but your neighbor could also be your enemy, right? Because you have sure. pretty close borders, so. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. so you look over your fence and you see somebody that looks slightly different than you, and then you say, nope, gotta, gotta get rid of that guy. Yeah. Which is most of the problem with the Middle East right now, right? Jeez, I don't, I think it's, I think the fight in the Middle East is over water, to be honest with you. Like, I think that a lot of it has to do with, they, they all live in a desert and Israel has a lot of water. And that's why they all want Israel. It's because there's just a lot of water there. But, I mean, it also could be the oil resources. Are we fighting over those? I mean. Oh, why we're fighting with them? No, I just oh, mean the, the them religious against tensions. against each other. Oh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. That they see another olive-skinned, curly-haired guy, and they're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> he looks almost like me. No way this is going down. And then they decide to shoot each other. Right. Well, and then one of them takes the other one's goats or something. Well, I think that that's also a lot of That's wars. more for sexual reasons. Well, but, but the seizure of land is kind of why people would... I think of the Israelites when they were going, moving around, and, and there were all those wars and things. They were trying to seize land. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to fight when you want land. I mean, look at the Palestinians are fighting. They're like, we want our land. Exactly. Just give us some land. Let us... <laughs> Can we have toilets? I don't. I don't know what's happening. So. <laughs> so yeah, I think there was a, a dude named Jesus. He was probably somebody that had some radical ideas about being nice to people, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. seemed at that time to be very outside of what anybody was suggesting. And I imagine he was probably not so hot on the kings and all that kind of stuff as well, right? right which right, right. gets back to oh, there's only one true. Lord and Savior taking it away from man because absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think that's been a pretty tried and true message over the right. years. It's been proven. So I would assume he's some sort of crazy radical, right? right? Probably no different than the radicals we see running around the campus at Berkeley and stuff like that in recent weeks. And it makes sense too because at the time when Jesus was running around was kind of like the beginning of the fall of the Roman Empire. When they were when they were really big and they had lots and lots of land and lots and lots of people and lots and lots of power and control and they were, you know, after Jesus they took the Christians and they'd make them fight in the Colosseum with the lions and the giraffes and stuff and um, so if you have ideas that are counterintuitive to the way societies run at the time, of course you're going to be demonized. But that's what's happening now is like who's who's yelling against. I feel like we need a new Jesus right now because someone's got to get up against 45 and say, this is the fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> can you? Can we learn from the past? We've gotten too big. Things are too crazy. Well, Shut I think down. people have tried that and they get locked into holes. I uh, mean, look at, um, oh, what's his name? Um, i trying to think. I'm going to butcher all of their names because I don't keep up on it as I should, but... Um, is it Bradley Manning is now in a hole somewhere for releasing documents or allowing... The WikiLeaks. Are... Um, yeah, all the people associated with WikiLeaks, basically. Right. You've got Snowden, mm-hmm. uh, who's now not allowed back in this country and right. is held up in a pen somewhere. And I guess every time he gets on his computer, he jumps underneath a sheet or something <laughs> so he can protect his passwords from the invisible cameras in the sky. Like, wow. that dude fucking knows something. And there's a reason that he's going to never be allowed back in the U.S. ever again. That's crazy. Right? And then there was that lady. Um, I thought her last name was Manning. Bradley might be. It might be somebody else. But 
like she was a part of trying Chelsea to release Manning? no that's no 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 she was trying to release some things and they basically locked her in a hole for a long time and there have oh. been people protesting to get her out right so i think there are people trying to fight against these regimes now is edward snowden uh, a jesus figure probably not I, right. I wouldn't think so but i think when you start getting close to that we now have new means of Instead of publicly crucifying somebody, they realize that didn't work, right? right Power structures right. don't want to put that person as a martyr. Right, right, right. So right. what they do is they just erase you. Oof. Oh. Which is like some 1984 shit, right? It's like some fucking, you know, the disappeared from Argentina and shit. You know, like they... Yeah. You just disappear. You're just gone. And then, I mean, with how fast our brains are going nowadays with all this new technology, and, I mean... The, the life cycle of something of is... Of a story is so quick. It's oh, it's crazy. Yep. I mean, look at United Airlines, right? Oh, right. That was like last week and everyone's already forgotten Huge about it. Huge story about United Airlines, people boycotting United Airlines, this, that, the other. I was talking to my friend of mine and he had to go on a business trip and he had posted all this stuff about, oh, ban United, this, that, the other. And then this week he was like, hey, I got to get on this uh, trip. And I'm like, who are you flying? United. They're the only ones who could make it. And I was wow. like, he's like, I didn't really want to, but I have to get where I'm going. And they're the only direct flight there. And I don't have the time to take like six hours to bounce around the country. Like, well, it's, it's what we choose to take up issues with and, and how far we go with it. Like, for example, I, I'm really into workers' rights and all that stuff. But hey, on Monday, I was pissed off that May Day parade, not parade, the May Day, they did a What's it called? When it's not a parade, it's a protest. Okay. They did a protest down market, and it was all the labor union things and saying, hey, it's a day without an immigrant. What happens? And we're the workers and all the important stuff that needs to happen. But, man, did they fuck up my commute. Like, it shut down the entire city for like two hours. So I tried to get on a bus from the Tenderloin to here, and I ended up walking almost the whole way because nothing was moving. I, all the traffic was at a standstill. Everyone is pissed off. It's hot. And it was like, yeah, I'm really into workers' rights, but I also kind of have to get to work. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's one of those, like, what do you... I want to be... I, I want to have, like, a personal morality that extends into the social realm, but sometimes you just have to get to work. Well, I get frustrated by a lot of that stuff, and this might show more of my true character that you're looking to bring out on this show, but, you know, I I now dress in a suit when I go to work, and I wear fancy clothes and whatnot, but I worked for years and years doing labor in the sun, yeah. right? I had almost nine, nine years, uh, moving boxes in warehouses, driving forklifts, making next to nothing and having a great time doing it. But there were times when, yes, I wanted to make sure I was being compensated correctly. I don't think sure. people that are working shouldn't, if, if your employer's not paying you, like that's a fucked situation and you should probably go and try and unionize or what have you. Right. But at the end of the day, I wanted to make my life better. And I understood that the boss could pay X amount of work, X amount of money for the labor to get this job done. And moving boxes could only have that for him to make the money to keep the business flowing and live the way that he wanted to live. And I was a replaceable 
resource right, right. at that point. I'm not I'm not a valuable member of the team. I might have been. It was family companies and stuff. So like you build a, a bond and a relationship, but he's not going to pay me forty five dollars an hour for something that he can get done for nine. Right. It doesn't make any sense. So at some point. I understand that you wanted to be treated well and all that kind of stuff, but I see a lot of these bleeding over into, well, we deserve more money or a living wage. And it's like, well, if the work that you're doing isn't... It's just not valued monetarily in our society. So like if you're moving boxes, your labor is not worth, say, someone who's going out and making money by selling things because you can justify your income because you're bringing in other dollars. Whereas if you have a stagnant job where you're just doing a specific labor and your body is your labor, is your work, for some reason that's devalued in our country. And I find that sad because there are guys out there right now who are putting roofs on things with tar in the heat in black outfits and they're making like maybe 20 bucks an hour, you know? And it's like, oh, shouldn't, why do we not value, value labor equitably? And it even goes into artists. Artists aren't paid. Artists aren't even paid $9 an hour. You know, so it's like, what is my work as a person and what is that value to society? And it's just not confusing my personal worth for my personal value, maybe? Because, like, the problem is if you only make $9 an hour, you start to feel like a worthless person. Because you're like, how come what I'm doing isn't worth anything? And I would, again, this, I think, gets into... I don't think that it's the value of the person. I think it's what society and we, we live in a uh, democratic capitalist society, right? And so in capitalism, the value of your work is based on what the market will pay for your work. Right. So if all of a sudden nobody's willing to do those jobs anymore and you're the only person out there who's willing to put tar on a roof, I... If you are literally the only person doing that, you can charge whatever you want right, right, because somebody's right. going to need demand. a new roof, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to do it because I've got enough money to pay you. Right. But you know, at a certain point, if you say, all right, a roof should cost, let's call it $10,000, right? And that's somebody getting paid nine bucks an hour. And you come to me and say, all right, I'm the only game in town and I'll do this for you, but you have to pay me $50,000. I might do that. Right. You know, if you said a hundred thousand dollars, I might put on a t-shirt and some shorts and get up there and start schlepping around some tar. Right, right. Right. So there's a tipping point in all of these things, but it all comes down to, in my mind, the what society puts around your work. Right. And for instance, uh, electricians. Um, I'm in the middle of re renovating some properties and things, and an electrician, a certified plumber, um, contractors. Because they're unionized. No, not where I'm at. Oh, they're not? Because um, my friend just got into the union here in the city for electricians, and she's yeah. she's an electrician apprentice, and she started as an apprentice at 25 an hour. So the unions in San Francisco That's great. are doing something good, right? And the, I work with a lot of unions, but nothing against it. Um, but outside of San Francisco, a lot of non-union work goes on because sure. the cities don't regulate. But an electrician, a private electrician, outside in the bay area could run you 65 to 95 dollars an hour yeah sure for their work um now granted they probably have to pay for a truck a lot of these guys own their own businesses so there's some overhead which justifies that cost but that's a person who's got a skill and that skill is now lowering the amount of people in your marketplace sure so again if there's less people that can do the job if there's a thousand skilled electricians sitting in call it berkeley right. right now waiting to do some work 
I ain't gonna pay somebody 75 bucks an hour. I'm gonna pay them 25 bucks an hour and get it done. Right, right, right. right. Um, but because there's like four people that would actually work with me and three of them had six months worth of work built up, I had one guy to choose from basically gets to name his price. Right, right, um, right. The same comes with like guys that lay grout and tile. Now, some of the masonry work, they do get paid a little bit less when they're just the grunt guys going at it, right? But a lot of the people I know are booked out for six months doing bathrooms and things. Well, they've got some job security there that they've got so much work going on that they're booking six months out. Yeah. So while maybe they're not making the most amount of money, they could learn another skill. They could learn another trade. And I think that our schools and our education system, I heard you talking in the previous show about Betsy DeVos, yeah. uh, that psycho bitch. Yeah, right. Um, I think our schools and education are doing a huge disservice teaching us how to take tests right. and how to sit in a classroom rather than identifying a skill. Right, 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 and right. And there's, there's certain kids, like me personally, I loved math, I loved science, like I was hanging out with all the super smarty kids, one of my best friends was the valedictorian in our high school. Yeah, we're all nerds, right? Like, put us in there. He became a politician somewhere in D.C. Uh, you know, I'm in the middle of tech out here. Right. Like, we're a different breed, but I think there's a lot of people that could be making probably the same that we're making now if they had started at 18 or 17 or 16 even in an apprenticeship program and learned all of these skills. Right. They could be out there running their own businesses real, right now. Real useful skills as opposed to how to take a test or things that just don't apply to them at all. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Spelling. And oh God. they got rid of shop class. The closest thing I had was building sets in theater. Right. Well, you know what? I learned how to build a whole bunch of sets and I was real good at using power tools. But when it came down to framing out a wall, which I've done a couple of times, did I know that everything was supposed to be 16 on center and you were supposed to use X gauge nails to be a part of code? No, I didn't know any of that until I read it in a book. What? I could have learned all that at 16 sure. or at 15 or whatever. I'm bummed that they took the um, the cooking component, the home ec and cooking mm. components out of schools because I, I always enjoyed that. And I feel like there's no reason why we can't identify people who, who want to be chefs at a young age or who want to. I mean, they still keep they still keep the child care centers in there and they're like, oh, you really like kids? Why don't you hang out with kids and learn about kids? I mean, I guess because that's. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with education. I don't, and I don't know the answer. Well, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous, but are I you going to have kids? That's right. You're going to have kids. Oh yeah, definitely. So you should care about education right now I and all that stuff because for sure care a lot about it. But I also think that, you know, there's a certain time when you start to realize, and I think it's right at that 16, 17 year old level, right? I kind of had an idea. I'm going to college. I'm going to get through it. Right. I understand this education process, but I had a lot of friends that went in and didn't they didn't, they didn't, they like, didn't they pan didn't out, right? Right, 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 right? And you could tell at 16, they weren't really juiced on it. Their parents really wanted them to go or, you know, this was that. But it's like, this dude loves working with his hands. Like, everything we do all weekend is either him playing sports or this or that. Active, energetic, you know, or they love nature. Hey, I want to go on a hike every single weekend. Well, shit, become an arborist. Right, 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 like, right. Or, or, you know, be involved, be a ranger or be a fireman or be something physical, something awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm paying a guy right now 400 bucks to trim up a tree because I have no idea how to do it. I'm going to kill the damn tree. You're going to kill yourself. I'm probably <laughs> going to kill myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, this guy probably loves working outside, working with his hands, doing his thing, and he's making a good living off it. So, yeah. um, I don't know. That's something that I think 
you don't have to comp you don't have to reduce your wages or your pay or your lifestyle or socioeconomic class because you want to do a different type of work i think that all of it can be valuable and you can do it in better ways yeah i think technology is pushing us there too because before if you didn't know how to do books or accounting or anything like that you had to pay a high-paid accountant to do all of your work for you now there's an app on your cell phone that will scan every receipt you have and put it into a workbook for you wow and print it i mean i don't know a hundred percent but I'm looking at the apps that are out there on the marketplace and you can do all sorts of things. They do it for tracking when you're on business trips and you can track expenses and all right, that Right, like your cabs and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. So I don't see why we, those types of technologies are just becoming more and more pervasive, which would allow a small business owner to manage their finances without having to spend 80 or a hundred hours a week you know, trying to do stuff they're not necessarily good at. Right, 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 right. That's takes a lot of the guesswork out. Uh, you're getting so smart. Uh, so, like, back to stuff you believe in. Yeah. What, do you remember what your favorite God song was when you were a kid? Do you remember in... in um, oh. Do you, do you remember back in the day any I of the God songs? I hated all of them, um, but I, I knew when they, they a lot. Made, they made you sing, though, right? Did you hate oh, it? Yeah. Do you remember being little and being like, ugh, why do we have to sing about God? Yeah. But it was, was it because you didn't like to sing or because you were just like, ugh, what is this about? I didn't like to sing and I knew pretty early on that I didn't really believe in all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I liked the church. I liked the people at my church. Uh, so I grew up going to church almost every single Sunday till I was 18. I was baptized. Uh, they pushed me through confirmation, but I told them I didn't believe in God when they were trying to confirm me at like 15. Right. Which that put a big stink in everybody's mouth but right um there was something where they were mixing up the superheroes um there's something about superman or something like that and god and this and that and i don't remember i don't remember remember all the songs but there were lots and lots of songs at camp i went to a lot of church camps right and and we know that you have ethics and morals because you were trained by the boy scouts yes uh, almost get kicked out of that for not believing in God either. Really? That was a big problem. Wow. So, but ethics and morality and, and, and Boy Scouting have nothing to do with God. Unless you live in Texas. Oh. So there is a religious component to all of that. So so growing up, I was quite religious, right? And didn't really think about it um, until I would say I was probably about 13 or 14. That's when it all started to kick in. And you start learning about science, and then you just start thinking, well, what is really going on here, right? Right. And in the Bible Belt, a lot of people are praying, but nothing comes of those prayers. Um, And you see some really nice people get some really shitty lots in life, right? Right. And you see some not-so-nice people do really, really well for themselves. And, you know, pastors and things are just liars. Right. I mean, Joel Olstein for one, right? Like, loves everybody, has all these motivational messages, and lives in, what, a 50-room mansion? Ugh. Uh, have you seen pictures of his home? No, it's terrible, though. It's, it's disgusting. Even just to keep it cool with air conditioning must be as- astronomical. Just the energy alone oh, yeah, he, to keep a 50-bedroom house cold in Texas. I don't know if it's that big, but he's a horrible human being. Absolutely. Um, I almost threw my flip-flop at the TV the other day because it happened to be on after a show that we were watching, and I left to go make a sandwich and came back and just got violently angry. So 
I saw the dichotomy between that and like just good people going to church. And sure. our church would, a lot of the youth group stuff, which is one of the reasons I stayed, was helping people out. So you go do a mission trip and a lot of places, and I don't know if your church was like this, but a mission trip was a really good excuse for rich white kids to go rafting and like... South of the border places. Sure, sure, sure. Right? And so I would have all these friends that would be like, oh yeah, we went down and like, we like made sandwiches for a day um, in Guatemala. And then like we went river rafting and then we went on these tours and then we did this. And my experience was we went to Juarez, Mexico in 2006, I think it was, right in the middle of when it was the deadliest city in the world. Wow. Um, and we were putting cinder blocks on top of each other, building schools inside of walled compounds um, for the children that were a part of the school. Wow. And they kept telling us not to go outside. And then about five years later, I was like, did you not want us to go outside? Because they were actively kidnapping all white people that came into this state. Like... Right. What a terrible trip mind? to Mexico if you had to just stay inside all day and we were, stay no, in we the were compound. On like, we were roofing. Like we right, were like right. building walls and then putting roofs on and all that kind of stuff. And But I enjoyed it, right? Sure. So getting out there, giving back, being a part of a community, meeting people, um, getting that experience was really nice. So that's why I stuck with it. But I think our church was a little unique in that regard. Sure. Um, and also that nobody really judged me for not necessarily believing in any of it. Because I don't know if they all did either. Right. Um, they were more there for the social aspect. See, and that's the thing is that you got to wonder about churches. Is, I mean, how many how many religious people are... Well, there's so many zealots, right? Yeah. There's so many people that are like, this is, I believe it no matter what. And a lot of them are in our administration right now. The yeah. whole Mr. Pence and his not believing in evolution... And that's scary stuff. Although there are some, I don't know if you follow memes on the internet. Mm-hmm, I love memes. I love memes, but there's been a lot out there on um, the old Johnny Quest. Oh. And uh, and it's uh, one of the guys, the main guy, I guess, on Johnny Quest is a short-haired, either blonde or white-haired guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be like sneaking through a cave or something. And then at the bottom, it'll say like Mike Pence looking for the gays or something like this. <laughs> or, um, there, there's got to be hundreds of them out there that I've seen now. Then there's the little Johnny Quest, right? And they always refer to him as Baron Trump. Oh. And so it's like him with a dog, like, because they're running around and it's like Baron Trump's first uh, experience mating with animals or oh and, that's fun yeah so there there's a lot of fun things like that but yeah he's he's crazy absolutely steve bannon's a nazi steve, totally absolutely um, he's steve bannon's an awful human being yeah he said some ter- i mean that breitbart news oh oh how inflammatory can you be it was just oh terrible but, things question and this came up because I live in Berkeley, um, but they basically rioted because Milo Yiannopoulos, right. a contributor was to Breitbart, was there. going to speak. Yeah. And there were some questions brought up, because this happened again, and Coulter was going to go speak at Berkeley, oh. and they shut down the city again. And I hear about it because I work from home, and then all of a sudden five or six helicopters are flying around. Sure. They marched down the middle of the street. Um there was one guy trying to give out Pepsi to make everybody happy again, and the police took it away because they were going to be projectiles, and oh. they started throwing the cans at each other. Wow. Because they're throwing like bricks and cans and beating each other, and... Wow. I don't know if you've heard about much of this. But no, I, I heard about the 
the Yiannopoulos or the weird name guy. Yeah, so they, they set fires know. and stuff on campus and they started going crazy. And basically, anything. this bastion of free speech, this place that is the most liberal campus in the world, right? I mean, yeah. I took a class called Porn Studies and the woman who wrote the book is a professor at Berkeley, right? Yeah. So. I mean, half the book is like how to get plowed better right, in, right. on film, right? So, okay, fantastic. Um, so that's allowed, but no conservative speech is allowed. Yeah, it, it should it should go both ways. But, I mean, let Ann Coulter speak. Just go there and boo her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be like, boo. But this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with your religious zealots, right? Is a certain amount of speech is allowed and a certain amount of speech is not allowed. And... In an open and free society, how do we well, and that's, balance that? And that's a thing. Someone had asked me, I, they said, oh, you know, at Mutiny Radio, you have complete free speech. I said, yeah. And I said, what if a person wanted to come and train for a show and they were white supremacists? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, they don't, I don't believe or like their views, so I don't. And it's my place, so I don't have to have them on. But, I mean, I guess they deserve the right to say what they believe, even if it's, like, you know, overtly racist and segregationist. And So I would, I would ask this. Is it inflammatory for the purposes of inciting violence? Oh. Or is it a viewpoint, right? Um, and, and, and I mean, when you get into the racist stuff, it's usually just inflammatory sure. and it's pretty ignorant and one-sided, right? But a lot of people threw some flack at, um, Yiannopoulos specifically, um, for some of his views. And it's like, he is a pretty well-spoken intellectual guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's not out there, at least from what I've understood, and please don't come after me, anybody in the internet radio land. Um, but he's not out there saying, like, we need to actively attack and or hurt people. Right. We need to stop women in their place. Now, I think it was him, maybe it was Gavin McGinnis, but they were talking about the wage gap being not a real thing. Oh. Now, People say that, okay, the wage gap between men and women, some people argue that it's not real. Some people argue that it's very real. And because you have an opinion that it's not real and you have what you consider facts to back that up, does that then make you a misogynist? Does that then make you attack women? And are you then not allowed to speak because you have a differing opinion? Are we supposed to on certain instances like that one, for instance, right? Because let's take race out of it. Um... Are we just supposed to accept that that's what is accurate now? Sure. If I say, okay, women tend to take types of jobs that are less well-paying. Um, <clears throat> and, and women have a tendency to not be good at negotiating because we've always been taught to undervalue ourselves. So when you go into an inter- and it's one of the, it was one of the Breitbart things. It said, uh, women, not enough women in tech. Well, women are just bad at interviewing. <laughs> like that was one of their... And so that's a little little inflammatory, but I'm in sales in the tech world, right? And I can tell you right now, in a high-intensity, fast-paced, direct-selling system where it's super intense, you know, call, 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 close, 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 really, really fast-paced, very, very, very few women in that world. Well, and 
so this is an interesting thing. I read an article. Um, there was a woman and a man who were there. Were, he was slightly above her, and she, but she was still part of his department. And they were complaining that she wasn't closing deals fast enough, or they were having problems. And so the guy said, "Here, let's do an experiment. We're just gonna. You're gonna sign my name to your emails, and I'm gonna sign my name to your emails." And he realized that being a woman and in sales or whatever they were doing, they, she was. They were asked different questions. They were people were argumentative with them when, when they hadn't been before. There were certain issues that women just being women and the way that we have been portrayed and the stereotypes that exist that it's pervasive. So even just switching the names at the bottom of emails, he did it, they did it for like three weeks and then they wrote this article on the Huff Post about it. And the guy was like, it's real. Like they, people actually treated me differently and more harshly and were more difficult to deal with when they thought I was a woman mm-hmm. in, in, in when he, they thought he was a guy. So I don't know. It's, I think it's like societally pervasive. I, and I don't know how to stop it, especially when we have an administration now that is like, so anti-women and and was from the beginning and we all just went like eh, <laughs> grab my the pussy whatever well and and i i understand what you're saying and that's i think a different question as to a wage gap right oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and and i was more getting at all right are women less likely to take because i look at that as a high paid role right mm-hmm. and in my experience and maybe it's because there's a lot of systemic sexism that's involved in there that women just don't succeed and so they get out of it and they just don't join back in but i see very few women in my field right right um i see very few women engineers right and there's arguments that there's sexism pervasive all throughout all of that right sure but there's sexism in politics and right. there's a lot of women in politics that are doing their thing Sure, not as not n- not, not as, as many, many as, as men, men, but and, and it, it, I mean technically, if if our political system was truly representing us, there would be fifty percent men and fifty percent women, and it would be more women than men. Well, there actually there are more women than men, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, yeah so it'd be like United fifty-one States. or fifty-two percent women. Right, that would be um, interesting. Yeah, and so I I don't know if it's an, a, a gap between these are sexist workplaces, so women just don't work there, mm. or if it's that they're just not taking the jobs that are there. I. I don't really have an opinion either way on the subject. I haven't done any research on it, but it's one of those topics that I'm feel if, if I'm not on the side of women, then I'm labeled a misogynist who hates women. And then my, all of my comments are devalued and not allowed to be spoken because now they're hate speech. Right. Right. When I'm only just asking a question of, are, are you going what are we going to do? Right. 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 Um, a number of years ago, there was a question as they were lowering the physical standards for women, I think joining the Marines huh. or something. Uh, I think it was the Marines or it was the fire departments. I don't let, don't hold me to any of these comments, but, um, it was like you, if they had to do a pull-up test and I think women had to do 50% less pull-ups. Huh. And then when they were carrying like a body out of a burning building, um, which would apply, I guess, to both Marines and firemen, they had to carry a body that was like 40 pounds less heavy. And this guy was making this argument. He's like, look, I'm a 230 pound guy. Like, I don't care who you is. If you can't pick me up and carry me out of the building, I don't want, you know, fucking firefighter. Right, 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 right. right. Like, I don't want, I don't want you and Cindy over here to have to grab me by the hands and legs where Steve down the way could just throw me over his shoulder and run me out of the building. Right. Right. It has nothing to do with your gender for, I think some people, 
and more to do with your physical ability, not physical, but in that case, physical, sure, but sure. ability to do a job. Right. Um, my wife is in sales and she's very, very, very good at her job, but she takes a very different approach than I do, uh-huh. which I don't think in my line of work would work for her. Right. Which is interesting. Well, but she's also dealing in food. Yeah, but she's a lot more laid back. She's got much larger accounts and she um, has relationships with sure. everybody as opposed to transactional, fast paced. Right. Aggressive. Get in, get on, get, yeah. get it done, get the sale done because other people come in and implement the sale. Which I think, knowing some women, relationships, long term, lasting, bonding with people and then building up a trust around that right seems to be more of a feminine characteristic well, but then so but then women you feel like when you go into a deal people already trust you so if women have to build trust maybe it would be better if they were just trusted from the beginning is do you think that there's a, a distrust i don't know in if women? they i don't know if they trust me or not oh really it doesn't matter um because if trust and relationship building is important to one side of sales, but then you still, you always have to have trust in a sale. You do. They have to trust you. Look at this beautiful face. Yeah. So the, but you not? talk on the phone all the time. <laughs> you talk on the phone all the time. When do you do it in person? Uh, so it's, um, No, and I, I get what you're saying. And I don't know. I, I'm just trying to throw some yeah, ideas yeah, yeah, out yeah, there, yeah, yeah. right? And like, there's a segment of the population that works in longer term, right? Sure. 6, 12, 18 month cycles. And there's a segment that works in 6, 12, 8 hour cycles. Wow, yeah. Right? And it's just how quick, how fast, how much are we moving forward? Right. Um, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why either. Um, who do you, do you, do you have a large group of people you trust or do you find now that it's, it's difficult to trust people and you keep it really insular? Like you just very small. trust your wife. That's that's pretty much <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of people uh that i trust in the world um there are very few of them and few and far between i don't think that i could join a church for instance and just trust the people that went to that church right um there might be certain people inside of that organization um but i i trust very very few people do you do do you trust what's going on in our government are you do you do you think everything's gonna be okay or do you feel like do you believe everything's falling apart? I think everything's been falling apart for a long time. Oh, okay. it's all a sham and a shell. It's all a sham. Yeah. So even Obama was a sham. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, so Bush was a sham. Clinton. Let's, let's go back. So uh, I'm That's not all, old enough to really sham. know much about Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the man was slanging some dick. Yeah. Which. JFK style, baby. Yeah, all day. Which, if you're in a position of power like that, and you're not running around with your dick waving around, then what are you doing what wrong are you with doing? your life? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but that's my view of politics. Like, that's what they're there for. They're there to look pretty, to not piss off other countries. I think our current president is doing a very bad job of not poking the bears, a bear in a cave. Right, right. right. Um, I think you should le- let let sleeping dogs lie I, I really enjoyed his comments about Kim Jong-un the other day 
Oh, yeah. uh, his positive comments saying he's a smart cookie. He's a smart cookie. He's he, a, could, he took over. A, he took over a regime at 27, and he's doing it. He's doing it with great aplomb. His dad Look was a, a crazy dictator, and then he just gave all the power to his son, and then his son got paranoid and killed his uncle <laughs> with a fucking drone or something like that. Like, oh, that's Absolute what I would do. Power. Yeah. Well, I mean, because he probably thought his, I thought it was old, you know, um, dynasty times when you. You've got to kill the entire family because you don't want any of them coming back to try to take oh, power. Game of Thrones style. Yeah, right. Well, like uh, and that's like feudal Japan, same thing. Yeah. You didn't just, you didn't just kill your, uh, your enemy. You killed them and their parents and their uncles and the, the whole side. Nobody lives. Oh yeah, of course. That's how you maintain power, and that's how you impose fear, right? So, I mean, I think he's doing a really bad job of that. I don't think he's making the right allies and friends. Um, but I also don't know, and from what I've seen, I'm not a political expert by any means, but the president doesn't seem to make decisions. The president doesn't seem to say, I'm going to attack this country right. and just point to a globe. There are you know, military leaders. There's leaders under the military leaders. There's you know, troops on the ground. And there's people running away at that level that don't agree with some of these wars and things. Mm-hmm. And not probably not enough, but I think that there's enough layers built in there that if he were just to make some crazy, crazy, crazy ass decisions and be like, all right, we're nuking Russia tomorrow. Somebody's going to say, no, no, right. we're not doing that. I'm sorry. I hope it can. What's the worst thing that you think can happen? The worst the thing? The worst thing. The worst thing that's going to happen to the United States in the next four, hopefully not eight years. I mean, that's that's a really difficult question. Um, what would make it bad for you? How about that? We won't make it like a whole worldwide thing. But if this was to affect... Because th- my whole thing is like, I've sort of believed for a long time that it doesn't matter who the president is. They're just a puppet on the strings. But in this case, I feel like it's different because it's like the corporations are pulling the strings and now everybody's making money except us, like the, like the people. But what's the worst thing that can personally happen? if this administration like goes through with everything cuz you're a white I mean, guy so yeah i mean i'm a i'm a middle class upper middle class white male straight white male let's right. go even further right? right so there's very little that's going to affect me i would say what's really going to start hurting is any time that the big corporations get too much power and control they're going to start taking more and more of that power and all the money's going to go to the top. Right. And when all the money goes to the top, there's very, very little left underneath. And we've got collapses in government and people get greedy, right? right? And you look at what happened in 2008 with the housing crisis and you had all these adjustable rate mortgages. And so, or even way before that, even that it just built up to right. 2008. And that was a good chunk of it was, all right, we're greedy. So we want to get more and more and more of these loans, right? And we want right. tons and tons of these loans. And so let's figure out a way to basically scam people into getting home loans that they can't afford at the end of five years, and we'll just make tons of money off them, right? And then we'll take their house back. Yeah, and then we'll take their house back, and then we'll (laughs) sell their house out, right? Right. So we're going to recoup all of our money anyways, but that's just, in my mind, pure greed. Like, we're doing something to 
directly screw over a person. But those were people too. They were. That's the thing is that like when does morality and responsibility come in? Because if you were a salesperson of mortgage loans like that yeah. you were on the phone and you were calling people up, hey you've always wanted to live in the house haven't you great well what we can do is we can give you this blah blah blah, blah. There's, does that make that person an amoral person because they're making money and the more money they make then their children live better or maybe they can buy a house it, when does it's it become 50 um, there are people that have no concern for others that are in that marketplace I'm sure I, I, I don't know any of them <laughs> but you know, I've met people that were working in the mortgage industry through that, and they were like, they were letting people know, right? Hey, this is a good opportunity, but it's going to change, and you need to be very well aware of it changing. Right. Now, that person may have thought, oh, the world's going great for me, or oh, everything's going fine, and not worried about it. But I think in any industry, there's people that are willing to put people in the right direction. Right, mm -hmm. you end up caring about your customers. You end up caring about people and businesses that you work with. Um, in general, you're trying not to be shady, right? But those shady people are all over the place, and they just want to lock you in, and they want to. But it, but why again, are they shady? You're not. But you're not a greedy or a shady person. When does a person become greedy and shady, and do they know it? Like that's the thing is, do they still? Because I have so much trouble right now. I think now. it's skill. They've. They've skillfully trained themselves to think that they're moral. No, they don't not. have the skills. If you are a world-class real estate mortgage broker and you can go and be completely honest with your clients and say, look, man, this isn't the greatest deal for you. And this is probably going to fuck you in five years and you're going to lose your home. But what we can do is we can look at a smaller house and I can go with you and we can go through this process and we can get you something that you can actually afford. And maybe he doesn't make as much money on that one, but he can do 50 of those because he's right. really good at his job. He's going to make the same amount of money, right? Right. Whereas somebody who's not that skilled uses that leverage and doesn't really hedge against the future and say, hey, look, I'm going to do all this for you right now. Blah, 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 blah. You talk really, really fast. You get him to sign the deal and then you walk away from it. Right. And that's, out of sight, out of mind. In my mind, you're you're not as good, right? Um, I walk away from deals right now because I don't want to deal with people right. or it's not the right type of client or they don't really want or need what I'm selling. Right. And so I can go and sell you something and I can get you $50,000 worth of this technology and you may never use it again. And I can waste a whole lot of energy and smoke and fancy displays and all of this stuff and push something through or try to push something through. But at the end of the day, if it's not going to help you, what, other than putting some money in my pocketbook, what does that do for me? Right. You're not a customer for life. If anything, you're going to realize what happened. You're going to be really pissed off in a couple of years. And that's going to ruin my reputation. So, you know, I, I would say if you're skilled and know what you're doing, then you shouldn't have any problem finding the right type of prospect. But when where does the, where does the greed come in? The greed comes in when you... The greed comes in when... The, I would say if you're if you're only out and you're just greedy and you want to make as much money as humanly possible, then you use whatever tactics you can and you take right. all the money. And then there's and no, you blame people for not being educated enough. Right. And then there's that just it, but it remove it just saying that I don't believe in ethics or morality. I don't have any personal personal ethics. Or I have no responsibility to those people, and therefore it doesn't matter what happens to them. Or they, they look they they should have known what they were getting into. Your your problem that right. you 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 signed on the dotted line. You should have read the dotted line faster. Let's go. Right. You allowed me to push you into this, or you allowed me to sell you this. Right. So they. It, every one of these deals them. is a 
mutual conversation, sure. right? Um, but uh, again, it goes back to trust, right? Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm buying a home, and there's buying it by a cell phone. This is what's That's ridiculous. Crazy is there's going to be a time when we have to actually sign something on the dotted line. But I've I've bought I've basically got accepted on an offer and gone through almost all the documentations on a cell phone. That's insane for a home. But anyways. I trust our broker and I trust our real estate agent and I trust everybody in the process because family members or other people have done business with them in the past Yeah, and we've actually got a family member involved in all of this. So I don't feel like we're getting screwed out, but what are you going to do about all your, all the apartment complexes that you've been mastering? We're keeping. You're just going to keep doing what you're doing. Just not live there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to commute. Uh, I mean, it's very rare. I gotcha. But we have an office in the back of one of them, so oh, good. that's going to be my remote office. And uh, yeah, you've got it all figured out. I'm trying. No, you're. But di- again, I I read through even with that much background on the people that I'm working with right now. Yeah. And years of history with these people, I read through every single document because mm. I've got to make sure that I know what I'm getting myself into. Right. But I think there's a lot of people that don't. They don't, or they don't understand. They don't want to say they don't understand. And so they get into sticky situations. Well, then they have faith in people that don't, that don't have their best interest at heart. I mean, I guess, and that's the question. Does anyone ever have your best interest at heart? There's always two sides to every coin. That's why you don't trust anybody. (laughs) That's why I don't trust anybody. Right. I trust very few people. I trust Pam. (laughs) I trust my wife. You know, I trust my parents. And... That's There's a couple other people in there, but again, every, almost everybody has their own best interest in mind, and there's very few people that are upfront about it. <sighs> See, but then that's the thing is like, are people inherently good or inherently bad? Are they only good because of the threat of God? Is that what makes Christians good people? Is it's the threat of the fire and brimstone that makes them... No. It's so you believe there's a there's a basic morality when people are born they're born good and then we do things to them and it makes them bad. Um, I would say most people are born good. I've met very few people that if you walked outside and somebody's just bleeding to death on the street, you're not going to call nine one one. You oh. see a major car accident, right? You're not going to call nine one one or pull. You may not pull over to the side of the road. You may not know these people. I don't pull over if there's a dude with like a flat tire because I don't know if he's trying to rob me, rape me, kill me, whatever, right? right? Yeah. Um, hopefully, rape me. Exciting, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there's there's a homeless issue here in the Bay Area specifically. Right. And I think that there's a lot of looking the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when that... But if I saw somebody that was like, even if they were a homeless person or whatever, and they're gushing blood out of their side or something, I'm going to call the... Absolutely. I'm going to call an ambulance. I think most people would. It's, it's hard because when I first moved to the city, I called a 911 for a person who... I thought he was dead uh, on Leavenworth and he was just sleeping and he was very, very angry that I actually tried to wake him up and help him and then called the called the police and stayed there and like was very, very angry. And I'm like, it's hot and you're sleeping underneath a 
a carpet, you know, the underneath the carpet, yeah, not carpet the car- pads. carpet pads. So wrapped up in a carpet pad, it's like seventy degrees out, and looks, looks like a mob hit. Looks dead, right? Yeah. And so I kind of like, I walk by and I'm like, oh, what the? So I like go up and excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir. No answer, no answer, no response. I kind of like nudge him with my foot, no response. So I was like, this guy's either dead or dying. So I call nine one one. The the paramedics come and they were like, you know, thanks for calling us. And then he ends up getting up and being. So pissed, so pissed, and I was like, so now I don't ever call. I'm like, I just, walk. I'm like, up oh, there sleeping. Yeah, well, so I think that's something that we've come to deal with and realize, right? And I wouldn't say that that's that's a learned behavior from people that are negative towards you when you try and interact with them. Right. But again, I think if you saw somebody. Uh, let's let's take away from the homeless side but if you just saw a normal person and like they had a broken arm because they had fallen out of a window or something and sure they're laying there you would try and get them help absolutely right and i think most people would there are very few people that would just look at that person and be like eh golf and then walk away so i think most people are genuinely pretty good at that level uh-huh. i think when it comes to economics or hey you're not doing well in life there's a lot of Get a better job. Get a better education. Sure. There, there's a lot of tools out there. And, I mean, me personally, I don't feel bad for a lot of people because there's a number of ways to advance yourself. Uh, and a lot of those are free, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's adult schooling programs. There's Yes, does it take work? Of course it does. Yeah, everything takes work. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that don't want to put in the work. And that's why I don't necessarily feel bad. Right. right? Um, but I mean, I know single mothers that are out there doing their thing and they're hustling and they're doing just fine for themselves yeah. and making a life and getting better jobs. And, you know, they're taking care of a couple of kids, taking them to school, then showing up at work, then going on interviews after work to get a better job. Right. right. And then coming home and taking care of their kids. So I, I know. Well, then that's the thing. Do are, do we as Americans just we just we're entitled to so much we just don't even want to work anymore? <laughs> I think so. So <laughs> I don't want to work. <laughs> I listen to Adam Carolla a lot. Yeah, and, I love Adam um, Carolla. He was talking recently about his buddies because he's got a new TV show. And he was trying to get one of them to do some work on the side so that he could be better in front of the camera. And he's like, look, man, I was working, you know, two jobs trying to get, keep, just keep a living. Yeah. And I decided to go take some improv classes. And did they pay me? No, I had to pay them. And I showed up every Wednesday at like 7 or 9 p.m. after work, right? And we worked for a couple hours and then we put on shows. And you do that enough times and you get the repetitions and you get it under your belt that then you can go and do something better. And now he's got a TV show. Well, and and he did Love Lines forever. He was amazing with Dr. Drew. Yeah, but you don't get those kind of reps. Right, right. Without the practice. Right, exactly. When I first started my sales job, they asked me, "Why? Are you, how are you so comfortable? Because like, I would just walk in and talk to anybody, right? right. I'd talk to CEOs. I'd talk to our managers. And like, we would do role playing. And some of the people I was with, that was their first time in there. And they're just shaky. Sure. And they don't know what to do. And I just pop up in front of people and start talking. They're like, how do you do? And I'm like, seven years at an open mic, like talking to strangers every single night. Right. We did three hours every Monday. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's a couple hundred shows over that span well it's it's habit it's right? cumulative yeah you put that 10,000 hours in I forget the guy who talked about the 10,000 hours yeah it's hours. mastery is 10,000 hours it, exactly so once you've done that well now you can translate that skill into a lot of different places did I ever get paid to do the brainwash I got some free laundry 
but then get... I got my laundry stolen. Oh, um, yeah. And I got some burgers and I got some free beers, yeah, right? Yeah. So That's I got a I little bit of food because they were really nice. Yeah. Um, but I did it before I even knew that they gave away free food. Yeah. When you host, um, now at least the way they do it is when you host, you get a free dinner and... Um, I try not to drink all-you-can-drink beer because it's too much beer for me. I try to kind of keep it judicious, but that's one of the bonuses of, of hosting at Brainwash is that it's one of the only reasons why I do it once a month is I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat for free. <laughs> I want to drink for free because I'm going to be at the open mic anyway, so yeah, but I'll I, run it. Even without doing that, I mean, you do this type of show, right? And you're putting in these repetitions. Right. And somebody's not coming to you and saying, hey, you just spent an hour here. Here's $15 for the hour that you right, spent. Right, right, right. And 25% of that goes to the co No, you put it in because you want to be able to do it. And mm -hmm. I come down in the middle of the day and do shows like this because I find that it's, one, satisfying to get into the community. Yeah. But two... It helps the repetitions. It helps yeah. me think outside the box, think on my feet. And so I translate that into the workplace. Right. So this is just like training and added. It's You should get your ECE units, your extended education credits or something. <laughs> That's what they give teachers. They make them do hours and they're like, keep, keep learning. So, um, But that's why I don't believe that especially in the economic gaps that we see in our society. Right. I don't feel too bad because it's like, go put in some work. Yeah. I know. It's just hard because like some, like we go back to my original point is that some jobs just aren't monetarily recognized. Get a different job. Right. I know. But it's like, if your skill set is what it is and all of your skills aren't traditionally paying gigs like I have great wife skills mm -hmm. that is not a paying gig I mean I guess it is if I was a wife again <laughs> but to a rich guy because um, then all of those skills like come to fruition you're like oh look I get but it's I don't know I just always bring it back to myself I have no idea how to well, no, but I'm, I'm saying like so <laughs> white wife skills right wife skills yes it I found that nobody really loves their job. There's a lot of people that are doing right. things that they kind of enjoy or there's aspects of their job sure. that they like. But if you were going up for your MRS degree, let's right. call it, yeah, sure. then most of the super, super successful, wealthy guys out there in the world are old dudes. Right. And those old dudes are willing to give a lot of money to a 30-year-old blonde chick, sure. or in your case, a brunette chick, right. who's willing to give a couple of blowjobs and keep a house tidy. It's, you know, it's true. It's 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 like a, so it's there's a original a job. It's the misogyny. Yeah, so it's like, and that, my ex-husband used to say that to me all the time. He'd be like, oh, you always complain that you don't make enough money, but he's like, you do a job that you like. He's like, go, to, go do insurance. People in insurance make a lot of money because they all hate their jobs. I'm like, well, that's not fair. And you'd be like, you're a teacher. You don't make any money because teaching is fun. And I was like, teaching is fun? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's kind of fun. But like, and being in theater, I'd be like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. and he's like, yeah, but you're doing theater. He's like, people get paid for jobs because they hate their jobs. And I was like, that's kind of the wrong way to come at it philosophically. Because if everybody actually liked their job, and everyone was just paid the same, like a good communist, wouldn't wouldn't the world be a much better place? Yeah, but I don't think anybody loves selling telephones. Ah. Right? You need them. Every single office, every single building in this city needs a 
handset on a desk that you can call out on, right? And I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being in front of people. I enjoy working in the field. I don't necessarily care too much about the handset that sits there. Right. But that pays my bills, right? And I've grown to enjoy it and like it. And For other reasons, not for the product itself, but for what? Exactly, right? right? So that's what I think you you have the balance, right? Do I love inputting stuff into a CRM system? No. No. Do I love... But that's part of the role that then satisfies a lot of other things. So, okay, I think that there's a a balance, right? So if you're a wife, let's say, and that was your entire goal, let's say that's a career path you're choosing. Sure. Do you love living in a mansion in Malibu on the beach? Yes. Yes. Do you love your Instagram account with your six other housewife friends and waking up at 11 a.m. to go to SoulCycle? Yes. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I'm like I'm just, soul cycle. But, We're like soulless cycle. Uh, you wake up at 11 a.m. to go walk on the beach or something. Sure, that, sure, that, that's sure. fantastic, like that. right? Yeah, right. Um, do you like wrinkly old balls in your mouth? No. Yeah. Probably not. Probably but not. that's like 30 minutes of the rest of this life. Sure. That you got to have some wrinkly old balls in your mouth and then you just get showered with money. It's a, so, it's, it's just so sad that that's like... Um, that's a, that's actually a reality for me. Like, well, I, I guess now I have too many tattoos. I can't I can't go to that that trophy wife thing because I don't I don't look like a trophy anymore. At least I got the tooth back, you know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, like that's a give and a take, right? <laughs> right and this right, is right, physical, right, right. so yes. some people would argue and say, look, you're giving up your body or whatever. But right. if that's high, a, high class prostitution, if that's a choice that you're making, then that's something you can do, right? But I mean, again, I think, look, if you're Anybody can go get skilled and do a job that they don't necessarily enjoy and better themselves in a way. Right. right? Monetarily. But that's the thing. Just because we make more money, does that make our lives better? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. Okay. There's a tipping point. Right. Because it's really, really hard under a certain threshold. Well, I think it's really, really easy under a certain threshold. And when you get over a certain threshold, it gets really hard until you get over that threshold into the big money. And then it's easy again. There's a middle ground. That middle ground, though, is incredibly difficult. I think that middle ground is so hard because when you have to pay your mortgage and you have to pay your car insurance and you have to pay your car and you have to have this job or you have to make $75,000 a year unless you and if you don't, it's like once you get to a certain level of stuff and things like you have to have your job to maintain that stuff insurance like all that stuff like insurance on your body and like having children like to have children you have to be really rich or really poor like a lot of poor people have children if you have to have a car to get to a job right and then you have to have insurance on that car because if the car breaks for any reason or you run into something then you don't have the twenty thousand dollars to buy a new car then you need to be able to fix that right but you're not gonna be able to pay for that insurance or that car without getting to the job right so if any one of these things starts to collapse then you're gone, right? right? If you don't have a home because to shower in and you show up to work stinky, then you lose that job, right. which loses the ability to pay for the house, which loses everything else. And I think that there's a comfortable level where all of that can be worked out pretty well. What do we think that is? Is that $150,000 a year? Depends on where you live. Mm. In San Francisco right now? The median is $105,000 a year, just so you know. For this year, living in San Francisco, the median of everyone in San Francisco is $105,000 a year. Uh, my understanding. And I make less. I make twelve, by the way. Uh, what I, 
what I've learned here in the, in the Bay Area, let's call it Berkeley, Oakland, San sure. Francisco. San Francisco is a little bit higher, but if we average everything, I would say if you're at a median household income of $150,000 or more, then you're probably comfortable and able to pay your bills regularly, save a little bit of money, and kind of live, I guess, what you would call the American dream. Sure. Um, I would say if you're under $100,000, you're struggling. Right. And then I think that if you're I don't know where the point is, but you were saying that way so under, way under is, there's it makes it easier. Abilities to get to housing, there's abilities to get food, there's abilities to get all of those things that aren't healthcare, healthcare that aren't healthcare. available to you if you make, right. let's call it $40,000 a year. If I made $25,000 a year, I would not have access to all of the programs that I do. So 25000 to a hundred thousand is tough. Is a fucking rough, rough times. Right, and then above that, then you're like, ah, and then one fifty, real comfortable. I see. No, I gotcha. And I wouldn't even say real comfortable. I'd say comfortable enough that you're not worrying. Right. Because the worry is what I attribute to not being happy. Sure. If I'm freaked out every single day that I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, that I'm not going to be able to pay my car bills and they're going to take my car away, that I'm not going to be able to eat or that I'm going to have to make a decision between one of those three things, that gets really hard to do. Right. Um, Or if I've got to make the decision, hey, you know, I'm living here in the Bay Area, but I can only afford to live... Oh, what did they call them back in Oakland? SRO. In the murder dubs or the the dirty 30s. Sure, sure. You know... um, if I can only afford to live in one of these neighborhoods that has regular shootings and I've got a family, like yeah, I'm going to be terrified every day. Absolutely. And so how do I get out of that? Well, the only way to get out of it is make more money. And there's a, that's a, that gets sticky, right? Because making a jump from 75,000 a year to $150,000 a year is a significant jump. Yeah. Um, I think it's doable. I think that if you go out there and push and drive hard enough, but again, it takes a lot of risks, right? I mean, I, I have no idea how to get a job. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not even looking for one, but that would probably the, be the first step I would think. But I, I don't even, I have no idea what anybody would value my skills at because I haven't even, because I haven't, I haven't been monetarily valued in the past. Therefore, I have no idea what I'm worth. It's weird. It's okay though. I'm, I, I mean, I'm ridiculously happy and I make 12 grand a year. I mean, that's insane. I know, but you know <laughs> it works for me yeah so but i mean in sales a lot of people are in commission based right, right. so it's like That's a build, so scary because then it's month to month because build one your month, own adventure program well you might one month you might do great and what happens if you don't do great the next month and then you're like what i don't get a paycheck this month yep that's so scary that's so stressful but if you do well enough and you've got the skills base to push through it then you start saving and right. you know i mean personally i've got about six months of leeway that's great that i've built up because i understand that there's kind of just this crazy right. lifestyle right so it's like okay but i've been fortunate enough to be able to do that sure but a lot of that came from really really hard work and pushing every single day further and further and further and putting in the long hours and putting in a whole lot of work on projects that didn't go through right right because you're taking a risk or you're jumping into it and i mean i could have gotten into a career that paid me zero yeah could have i know not poetry sold anything. poetry is just such a well no if i if i don't sell anything i don't make any money oh right, right, right so right, like right, right, right. i'm very much in a place where 
you can strike it big and you can be in that upper echelon or it can all drop out from underneath you really quickly. Oh, and yet you have faith. This is uh, this has been great. I, I've never spoken this much about economy with anybody on Some Call Me Tim, but uh, that's awesome because I'm I'm interested in it. I and think I'm that's where my you. faith lies is you in, the in the economy and the it's economy people's ability to pull themselves up by them. Let's go to Mexico. The, the peso right now is 22 pesos to the dollar. That's double what it was. That means that your dollar, like beers, like huge beers in bars are like a dollar 25. Because it's like 25 pesos, right? Which is like a dollar 30. It's nothing. So we should, we should all, we should take a group vacation, the four of us. Gringo. Yeah, but Jonathan speaks fluent Spanish. Oh, okay. So he could get me out. Well, we're not gonna get anybody. We're gonna we're gonna get an apartment with a kitchen and rooms and stuff, and then it has a, a patio and a barbecue, and and then we it's really cheap because Virgin America flights right now are three hundred dollars round trip to Cabo San Lucas. Oh, that's great! I know you should come so, with us. It's gonna okay. be fun. But yeah, we saved money. We we have money <laughs> saved up for vacation. I haven't been on a vacation in like so long, like a vacation that isn't a working vacation, like one that has nothing to do with comedy. This is like, I actually just want to go to Mexico and hang out on the beach and like nice. live in a little... Well, it's like beach weather out here at 90,000 nice. degrees. But to wrap up your show, yeah. I would say that my faith is around personal perseverance, economy, and and how we manage that, because that's the biggest part of our lives, um, rather than religion, which has no bearing on me whatsoever. Right. Um, and I don't think is relevant other than a networking tool in our current society. Wow. That's a really concise way to put it. And that if we're going to start wars over all this stuff, why? What's What's with all the religious conflict if it just doesn't even matter? That is, I mean, it's, I know, it's the fight over question. the fight over who has the best imaginary friend. <laughs> it's true, and they're all the but same. Why is yeah? But then we're like, I'm, I keep saying this will be the last thing I say, but I keep over. I'm going over the top now. Whenever I see someone who's wearing like a burqa or whatever, or a hijab or whatever, I like smile at them and I ask. I act really nice because I feel so badly about the persecution that they're currently going through that like I'm almost. I think she doth protest too much. Like I'm like, oh, I love Muslims. They're great. Like and it's it almost comes across as ingenuous because I'm trying to make up for everyone else in America being such a jerk right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sucks and. I, that's probably the worst thing I think about the religion is, you know, at least the Christians stopped outwardly just beating women and sure. killing them in the streets. Right. Um, but the fact that that still goes on regularly. Now is, it's the gays. They just beat up the gays instead. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's atrocious as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, here in the U.S. at least, they're not. Well, I guess they are actively hunting and killing gays and trans and yeah and well and and i mean just nfl players beat their wives but you know they're nfl players so it's okay <laughs> sorry oh sports ball i know they're just so it's just to give i'm gonna beat my wife <laughs> there was a i'll go back to some more memes and things i saw but um i guess there was a news story about an mma fighter who was married to a porn star oh. and then beat her up because she caught her in bed with another man. Oh, that's And funny. then there was a comment underneath that said, aren't they both just doing their jobs? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, sports players and all that, you've got to understand if, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know if you have to understand, but if you're going to marry a football player, you're going to be engaged or in a relationship with a football player, you're in with a super, super high testosterone, male-driven sport, a male-exclusive sport, where their whole goal is to actively try and hurt other players. Right. So you've basically got these warriors and these gladiators. For lots right? of money, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're running around in their underwear for millions of dollars. But sure. if you're telling me that way back in the day, like the guys with swords that were out there on the battlefield killing people, if a woman walked by them and said something sassy, as 21st century women are known to do occasionally, right. you don't think that man would backhand her, if not just like stab her in the face absolutely i've been watching game of thrones i don't put up with any of that shit right yeah they don't put up with any of that shit yeah well uh, there's not a whole lot of difference between the mentality and the education level of a lot of these football players that yes they went to a college but my understanding is most of them don't know how to read wow well and if you go back to the whole thing about having a job and having saggy balls in your mouth maybe it's like a thing of if you're an nfl wife you're like i get all this money and every once in a while i get a black eye I, I would say you need to stay, just shut up a lot more often. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. I would, there's a, it was, the, that happened when Kobe Bryant got caught with all the women and stuff. And I was like, come on, wife of Kobe Bryant. Like, you don't know that he's motherfucking Kobe Bryant. Like every, anywhere he is, anywhere, everyone's going to be like, I want to sleep with Kobe Bryant. Like, how is Kobe Bryant not going to want to do that? Yeah. I would sleep with Kobe Bryant just to blackmail him out of a, like, uh, Kobe, why is there a white dude's uh, balls in your mouth? And he'd be like, here's a million dollars. This picture never goes anywhere. I'd be like, thank you. Thank you. And now I can raise my that children college in fund. comfort. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's good. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just think you got to understand it comes with the territory. And then again, people are entitled, right? right. Oh, I'm going to have this fucking $150 million a year salary husband right. and nothing bad's ever going to happen in the sanctity of marriage and blah blah no no things right. don't necessarily apply right I, you know and I wonder if, if that's your job is that what you gotta take rule of thumb baby don't beat your wife with anything bigger than your thumb well, and I don't think that that's what you have to take, but I think you should understand what you're getting into right right, right. Like, it's the same thing like the, if you're I mean it's anything when you sell out well, that's the thing is if we all believe, do we all believe in love? You're happily married. You believe in love. You found your, you found your soulmate. You found your, your unicorn. And, and I mean, and you would, I mean. But we're equals. Yes. But you're, yeah, exactly. We're not. Exactly. There's not, but it doesn't. And that's the thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe it comes down to equality. If somebody makes astronomically more money than someone else and the other person is sort of on the payroll or taken care of then the person who makes the money might feel entitled to be able to it's almost like ownership yeah like slavery kind of well you're giving money you're providing you're doing all of these things and the other person is not contributing at all there's a much different back right. and forth there right, right. the and real housewives of georgia or whatever atlanta yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it, I don't, there's I don't, a, there's I don't a lot that goes along with that. And I think you, ooh, if you don't understand that, then, because here's the thing, if a football player, right? Let's mm-hmm. take Tom Brady yes. and Giselle Boonchin, mm. right? She makes more money than he does. Mm. You don't hear about him beating her. Right. She's right. an international supermodel because and she could equals. dump his ass at any point. Sure. Go pick up Justin Timberlake down the street in her brand new Maserati or whatever she's driving around in. Right. Uh, because she's like, hey, my career brings in more than you do as the number one quarterback in the NFL. Well, you're bringing up a really interesting point then. If women have 
access, if we remove the wage gap and women make the same as men, then they'll have more power in their relationships and there'll be less spousal abuse because yeah. they'll be treated equally within the relationship I, because of monetary means. That's I think interesting. it's interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, I it's mean, possible. There's still going to be assholes out there, right? Absolutely. Look at Look at Chris Brown and Rihanna, right? She's uh -huh, a uh -huh. fantastic person in her own right probably makes tons and tons of money yeah chris brown's just a fucking douchebag and has a great lawyer behind him right so he's never going to get in trouble um but aside from that specific case i think a lot of the times if you're equal in your relationships and you know you know i mean one thing about me and my wife is she doesn't need me for much of anything <laughs> other than companionship and love and sure, all the rest right, of it right 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 but like to survive <laughs> She can, she's got it. She's got it on her own, yeah. She's got her life under control, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, and a great family and great friends and a great support system. Yeah. But also, yeah, she's lovely, lovely human being. But if I were making $50 million a year and I was 45 years old and I had some 20-something, right, that I was nailing on the side. Sure. And she started to mouth off, I wouldn't hit her, but I would find another 20-something pretty darn quickly who didn't want to do any work right. and get that MRS degree, right? Right, 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 right. I know, it's like, even I believe in the misogyny of that statement. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Mike Scott. We went a little bit long, but I hope that you can make it back to work and that um, you didn't uh, miss any special deals here. Sorry that your bench was stolen. It's all good. Mike built this bench years and years ago for Mutiny Radio back when we used to have benches in here. And we had it outside and it was lovely and somebody stole it last night. But it had been outside for like five years with no one bothering with it. And then just someone decided they really wanted your bench, Mike. You'll get another bench one of these days. Sweet. It'll come back around, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll bring some outside. Thank you so much for being here. This yes. has been Some Call Me Tim. I've been Pam Benjamin. This has been Mike Scott. Uh... Thanks again, and keep listening to Mutiny Radio. This Friday on Pamtastic's, Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse is Uber Shitty Comics Who Drive. So it's Comics Who Drive for Lyft or Uber. They're going to tell their great stories. We're also asking people in the audience to tell two to three minute stories of their terrible Uber and Lyft situations. It's going to be a lot of fun this Friday at 8 o'clock. I Uber almost every single day. Do you? Yeah. Do you have any bad Uber experiences? You should come on Friday with... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then tell us all the stories. Wonderful. Thank okay. you, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Yay! Should I inject bleach into my eyeballs with a needle? Well, that's an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. Statistics show that no. No, you should not inject bleach into your eyeball with a needle. Paid for by the committee to stop injecting bleach into the eyeballs with needles. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. 
Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. We are Unleashed the Rain, and we're coming to you streaming live every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. here at MutinyRadio.fm in the Mission in San Francisco. Because we need more rain in San Francisco. Yes, we're still in a drought here in California, but this is a business show, you silly man. Uh, I was hoping for a rain dance. Well, why, that would be a lot of fun, and we do have a lot of fun on the show. What we do is we help small and medium-sized businesses leverage technology to increase revenue and reduce expenses and make it rain for your business. Are you sure it's going to be fun if I listen? We are very fun. We're also real world. We are not messing around. We're going to give you the real deal. Cool. So I can send an email to Vincent at Unleash the Rain or Stacy at Unleash the Rain and ask my business question or my yes, technology question. Absolutely. Ask us your business and technology questions. We would love to answer those on the air. And then listen to our podcast or listen to us live on and, Tuesdays. And also Tuesdays. check us out on Facebook at Unleash the Rain. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini, and creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them! And from the specials, very deep 
fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. This is a story of three strangers hosting an open mic. When comics stop being polite and start getting real. This is the Sick Sad Open Mic. Every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. and every fourth Tuesday as our Sick Sad Showcase. Brought to you by Adrian Villalone, Valerie Vernali, and Katie Carnes. See you there, angsties. You're standing on my neck. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? 
I eat on a raft without a patter. Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> LSD fap acid fapping fapping acid acid fapping fapping acid fap 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 My dear, for you're the only one that I love, darling. Can't you tell that I'm sincere? We were happy once, my dear, happy as could be. And now that we have things patched up, just stay here with me and love. As you have before, darling For I'm so in love with you
Daddy Long White down rock and roll From each Berlin to the Letterman show When you're waiting for the break, lean forwards So join the struggle while you may The revolution is just a t-shirt away Waiting for the great lean and a brother, mother and father around, but you don't want no talk out of them. What's the matter? The blues got you. Well, you go and put your feet under the table, look down in your plate, got everything you want to eat. But you shake your head, you get up, you say, Lord, I can't eat and I can't sleep. What's the matter? The blues got you. Want to talk to you. Tell what you got to tell them. Good morning, blues. Good morning, you do.
inject politics into the physician-patient relationship. I'm stunned that this POS bill would get this far, and I'm writing to call for action. If Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon signs it, she may very well kiss her political career goodbye. She's in a bad spot. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. A young activist named Guy Stewart. Um... This time, if you want me to come back, it's up to you. But remember, I won't allow the things you used to do. You're gonna have to toe the mark and walk the line. This time will be the last time. This time. If I should feel unwanted, I won't stay. Each tomorrow will depend on the love you give today. It's all up to you to keep in mind. This time will be the last time. This time should be anything like the other time this time will be the last time high noon here on mutiny radio this is the AltaCast. i'm your host pam benjamin i will be joined soon by latoya the sheriff of truth win and uh, we're going to be expecting a phone call today from old dumb face himself steve poji calling all the way from missouri excited about that we might have a <clears throat> we have a lurker a lurker in the upstairs area today my favorite dirtbag, Zach Wiseman, is here lurking about. 
wearing his wearing his new shoes. Got new shoes, baby. New new toms, brightly painted, so he won't get hit by a car. Wandering the streets at night, being because because you're a nihilist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there he is. That's true. Definitely believes in abortion because nothing should live. Nope. No lives matter. Remember no that. No lives matter. You think your life matters? You're an arrogant idiot. Yeah. No lives matter. No, it's true. I. All the time, I just have to remind myself that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nothing nobody. It's fine. We all are. Woo. Just living in San Francisco as a nothing nobody. It's great. Uh, today, our uh, special rap by Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff is going to be about Mike Pence, our Vice President of the United States. What wonderful sexist things he has said he is really interested in the inside of my uterus and he's interested in gay people i feel like he might be a trans woman he's gay and he wants to have a uterus because he's so concerned about what all the women in indiana were doing with their uteruses and my favorite thing he did was make uh when you have an abortion you have to have a tiny tiny funeral funeral tiny tiny caskets (laughs) I was really excited, actually, because I thought it would oh, be really great. good for dollhouse makers, you know, like right. people that made dollhouse furniture from scratch. I've done that before, glued things on, gotten all anal because I had a lot to do with my time. I had nothing to do with my time, so I was making dollhouse furniture, of course. So I would love to make baby coffins. I feel like it would be an Etsy project that I could make a lot of money on with the ladies in Indiana because, you know, like finding out like what what the lady's uterus was like, maybe decoupaging it with some sparkly red sequins. And, you know, you dump the little blood clot in there, little clumpy. It's been sucked out of your uterus with a vacuum. Take that. Yeah, idiots. He's an idiot. And he still he believes in Jesus. Yay. Not that believing in Jesus makes you an idiot, like but kinda. kinda. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> but kinda. Listen to some call me Tim later. Uh hey, so Jesus Jesus is the Elron Hubbard of fucking two thousand years ago. Right. He came up with the well, no, see, no, that's not Jesus. L. Ron Hubbard knew that he was right. Like, the whole thing with L. Ron Hubbard is he and Isaac Asimov had a bet to see who could write a fictional story yeah. that people would believe. And uh, and L. Ron Hubbard won. He won big time. And now they're making, I mean, what was that terrible Well, how do you know that wasn't, that wasn't uh, Jesus and Muhammad? They're like, yeah, I bet I, could, I bet I could do it. Because Jesus wasn't into money. He wasn't a capitalist pig dog that well, started a religion just maybe it was a gentleman's bet the gentleman's bet between muhammad and jesus uh-huh. who can make the biggest i'm gonna make him walk around this weird pill i'm gonna make millions of people walk counterclockwise or clockwise i don't even know <laughs> yeah. which way they run, walk around millions of people we're gonna make it their goal in life to walk around this thing seven times you know, it's so scary yeah i don't deal well with crowd dynamics so i'm sorry i'm never going to mecca uh, so we'll start today with the uh, socialist news coming to you uh, from Narl. Not that Narl, not that Narl is socialist, but this show is a socialist show, and I give you the news based off things that I'm interested in. And what is that? Number one, abortion, keep it legal. And number two, drugs, legalize them. Legalize them, yeah. Drugs. We should start with drugs, just because. Zach's here, and he doesn't care about uteruses. Nope, or babies. Or babies. Uh, This was just released yesterday. 
Homeland Security Chief Marijuana Possession is Grounds for Deportation. <gasps> Surprise! Really? Could, wait, so I could have some weed and then get a vacation out of it? <laughs> right. Well, you're not, but you're not, uh, you're not, you're, sadly, you were born in Alaska, which, although I think we wish it was another country that we didn't have to take from, hmm. uh, but... You were born in Alaska, so you're an American, so you will not be deported. Maybe they could deport you back to Alaska. That'd be cool. To be with the rest of the people up there, the crazy people. Uh, not that, I mean, it's just, I, they're crazy. I'm sure they have great comedy up there. I'm no. sure there are some great. No. No. Okay. No. Uh, but marijuana deport possession is grounds for deportation because ICE is the new ISIS. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right? American ice. American ice. Be scared. Be scared. Um, fear, fear, fear. General Kelly echoes 45 commitment to escalating the drug war. DPA, war on drug, is war on immigrants. Drugs, war on drugs is war on immigrants. Sad face. Uh, in a speech yesterday, Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly announced that the 45 administration would use marijuana possession as a reason for deporting immigrants. ICE will continue to use marijuana possession, distribution, and convictions as essential elements as they build their deportation removal apprehension packages for targeted operations against illegal aliens living in the United States, he said. Marijuana is currently legal under federal law. Oh, currently illegal. I like. I was like, did I read that wrong? Marijuana is currently illegal under federal law, but eight states have legalized it for adult use, and 28 states have medical marijuana laws. Individuals following state law would be exposed to deportation. What? Whether it's the construction of a wall or deporting individuals for marijuana possession, the Trump administration has signaled its desire to use the drug war as a tool to persecute immigrants, said Geronimo Saldana, policy manager at Drug Policy Alliance's Office of National Affairs. It's outrageous to think that anyone following medical advice under state law would be subject to deportation. This is insane. Yeah. They can come into California. This is insane. So the federal ICE can come into California. This is going to be so bad because this like totally the whole, the whole, um, 911, uh, good Samaritan law that we've put into effect in California and a bunch of other States that basically negates that again and says, so the 911 laws, if some, if someone's overdosing from heroin or they're dying from a drug, something, if you call 911, they will not prosecute you and you'll be okay. But now they're saying, if marijuana is grounds for deportation, that is so fucked up. That means that anything is grounds. So if someone does the 911 call and they get there and then they say, oh, where, show me your papers. This is, this is, this your is. Your papers. Show me your papers. This is awful. Show me your rolling papers. Show what? me those papers, bro. Show me your rolling papers. Bro, oh, yay. Papers. Latoya's here. Oh, she's changed her hair again. Yay. <laughs> so just to catch you up, Latoya, um, the... Homeland Security Chief just said mar yesterday, marijuana. Oh, thanks. Marijuana possession is grounds for deportation. <laughs> so that's happening now. So that's happening. Uh, we'll we'll keep going. Uh, the Trump administration has nefariously used the drug war as a way of tagging immigrants, and yesterday's statement is merely another example of this tactic. Uniquely, though, the desire to deport people for marijuana use demonstrates the conflict between state and federal law on marijuana and the necessity to end federal prohibition. We hear talk about ending the state versus federal conflict on marijuana laws to fix the banking and tax problems, said Saldana. But the Kelly statement shows that there are far more dramatic consequences for our nation 
nation's disastrous drug policy. Under the Obama administration, simple drug possession was not a priority offense. Taken alongside recent statements and actions by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, it is clear that the drug war is being escalated. Recently, Republican Raul Grisalva, Democrat Arizona, reintroduced the Veteran Visa and Protection Act, which would establish a visa program allowing certain deported veterans to re-enter the United States as lawful permanent residents. They would also be eligible for the existing naturalization process for military service and will regain access to their military and veteran benefits. The bill will also stop the deportation of eligible veterans who are currently in removal proceedings. That's insane that people who have served, not, not that I like the military, I fucking hate it and it makes me angry and yeah, it's awful. I mean, you still did the thing for the country, right? They still, And now they yeah. can deport them? Like, you fought for our country. Now get the fuck out. The fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. See, I wonder how many people they're gonna get if we have World War Three. You know, well, it's coming. It's, it's uh, it is so scary. I know. Well, well who's who's gonna want to be a part of that draft? I can't even flee to Canada because I have DUIs. Yeah, I can't flee. To, I have a, I have a DUI too. I can't flee to Canada. Either. I to Mexico. Two and a half acres in the desert at Death Valley. We can Did all you? go there, yeah. Cool, dude. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we can start a cult. We got to be. Can we wear Nike? Apparently, it's the size of uh, 32 and a half tennis courts. Wow. Yeah. How much? Uh, $100. Uh, <laughs> 2000 oh, That's a really good deal. That's, that's a really good deal. Yeah. They're slashing prices. <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's, Do you have to pay property tax now? $11 a year. Wow. Can you afford that? I don't know. I could probably do that panhandling. Right. That's like on the highway news. that one car drives on yeah, every now I could make then. fucking $11 panhandling. I could probably make $11 a year with a metal detector walking around in my property. That is a... You're you Death Valley. Ex- You're just going to find well, the dead only, people. Yeah, oh, or, or, hidden, or hidden drugs or hidden money. Yeah. Because or, when people do bad things and they get in trouble, they hide yeah. things. You might yeah. And they Hoffa. hide Ooh. them in the desert. There's a weird mine dead out bodies. there. That uh, they say they can't find parts of. I was just reading about the uh, territory on uh, Wikipedia. There's Let's a weird, go out there. There's a weird. Mo- I'm going out. Sounds there in a like weeks. sounds like you're gonna find some silver in them hills. Can I come? Yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to go to Death Valley. Fuck yeah. It'll, you, you know, start your own Burning Man. It's gonna be great. I mean, or whatever. Yeah, out there. We are going to burn a man. <laughs> Actually, I mean, we're going to start fires and shoot guns. But that, uh, yeah, yeah, sounds like fun. I prefer the cult idea. Yeah, yeah. No. Can, well, we, I mean, can I have Kool Aid? Kumbaya. I just want, I just want like, Kumbaya. I want like a modern like Jedi robe because I'll sunburn easy. Right. No, no, no. That's absolutely right. Uh, linen is a really good fabric that breathes and yeah. is really. Um, yeah. You could I, have I like a sun hat and a tent and a thermal rest. Right. Yeah. You've got it. You've got it all together. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be just like it'll be just like Mexico. Where, that's the thing is, I don't think it'd be so bad to be deported. Mexico's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, Mexico's cool. We could build a tunnel from my property to Mexico. Wow. Ooh, that's, that's a that's idea. a big tunnel though. That's yeah. a big long tunnel because Death Valley is not that close. To no, no, no. It's not Death Valley. I'm sorry. It's Barrio Springs. Death Valley was the other one I was looking at. Oh, Barrio okay. Springs is prettier. Wow. Um, it's uh, ever been to Anza Barajo State Park in San Diego? Probably. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, let's totally build a drug tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not build a drug tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now Zach can find a different name for his asshole. <laughs> Is that he calls it the drug tunnel? Yeah. Oh, that was... A, <laughs> sure, oh, I yep, get it. Sure that was do. the uh-huh. joke. That was Speaking good. of tunnels, uh, they're, uh, they're the Immigrant Defense Project. Uh, according to the Immigrant <laughs> Defense Project... 
<laughs> one out of every four criminal removals. Okay, wait. According to the Immigrant Defense Project, one out of every four quote-unquote criminal removals over 250,000 deportations involved a person whose most serious conviction was for drug offense. Last year, Human Rights Watch released a report on drug deportations noting that thousands of families in the United States have been torn apart in recent years by detention and deportation for drug offenses. And last week, the ACLU released a report noting that veterans who have served the country as lawful permanent residents have been subject to draconian immigration laws that reclassified many minor offenses as deportable crimes and were effectively banished from this country. I know, over marijuana. This is just so crazy to me. There have also been moves at the state level to prevent law enforcement from documenting misdemeanor drug crimes and therefore exposing immigrants to harsh deportation proceedings. The New York State Assembly passed legislation that creates a process for sealing the criminal records of people arrested for simple possession of marijuana in public view, providing a measure of protection for immigrants by making it difficult or impossible for immigration authorities to meet their legal burden of proof for a judge to find lawful permanent residents deportable. So in New York, if you have a joint, this happened to my friend. She was in Brooklyn and there was a park and we're in the center of the park. I, I wasn't there, but she, I, she walked me through the park and told me about it. But she lit up a joint, took a drag, and a cop car came off the street into the park and stopped in front of her and arrested her. Handcuffs for a joint. This is oh, recently? Yeah. This is like uh, yeah. five years ago in New York. Uh, no, uh, New York is uh, weird as hell because like you, you, people, you'd be in a bar. I went to... Two different bars, two different trips to New York, and uh, both times I would be in a bathroom and somebody would leave a courtesy line of cocaine on the back of the toilet. Everywhere you go, people are offering you bumps. And I think that has to do with, I think there's more coke there because everything stays awake for so long. I mean, the, the bars are open until 5 a.m. But we, you want, you ask people it's, like where to get weed, they act like you're buying Coke here. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I it's like easier to get Coke than it is to, have weed in a, in a public place. Well, because they used to have a stop and frisk thing. They've stopped right. that in New York. But they used to be able to stop and frisk you for any reason. And if they found any any uh, marijuana, it's a misdemeanor. And now they're saying that misdemeanors are deportable offenses, which is insane to me because misdemeanors are pretty fucking easy to get. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. the, the police can decide you're doing something wrong whenever they fucking want to decide you're doing something wrong. Yeah, they'll find something. The, the, yeah, they'll find something. something. Something's going on. Everyone's doing something against the law at some point. Like Yeah, even the cops. You, I, I had a cop with a headlight out pull me over for having a headlight out and give me a ticket for having a headlight out. That, Did you write that him a ticket? That is pure irony. You should have wrote him a ticket as well. I said your headlight's out. Yeah, but if you, <laughs> if you try to be funny or you try to do anything with them, then they treat you even shittier. Yeah. Like that if you true. try to have a sense of humor or you try to do anything except act like a mouse and like a yes sir, no sir, yes, yes ma'am, boss. no ma'am, of Yo, course, no of course. If you try to talk to them at all, they go, well, why are you arguing with me? And you exactly. say, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to say, well, no, you're arguing with me sit down like they they really it is not I, uh, yeah they just have, have no, to say have no i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry whatever you no, think i did I, I did it i don't know i uh, almost got a dui one time i was drunk i was drunk and i pulled into this uh it was like a gated community thing in vegas they have a bunch of those right and i just pulled into the thing to turn around and see where i was going and there's two motorcycle cops but i already had pulled in so i'm like behind right. them they're like uh, 20 feet in front of me and i know they're gonna loop around and they do right some guy comes around and he's got his you know bright light in my eyes and i'm not even looking at him i'm like answering his questions still like checking my gps thing he's like why aren't you looking at me and i just looked directly at the light and i was like it's bright <laughs> and then he's like all right you have a good night <laughs> see i i wish that yeah 
that that right there Aww. that's the white privilege because when i told a joke yeah, and made fun probably. of made fun of the stadies uh we called them sta- uh, the state trooper stadies where i'm in chicago um i was making fun of them about going to dave matthews concert and i started laughing because i'm like you guys are really going to dave matthews concert why <laughs> it's, why was that shit um in my report uh, when oh. I went to the uh, to the judge, <laughs> the judge, <laughs> I could laugh about this now, um, but the judge was uh, like, "So, what is this thing you were making fun of the officers about a Dave Matthews concert?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, I was." That's all I got to yeah, say about yeah, that. I was absolutely. just like, wow. I was, so much for the sense of humor, yeah. fucking cops. It's like if you're in the, if you're a cop or maybe even in the military, it's just like you're already kind of just a fucking idiot, anyways. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you maybe graduated high school. <laughs> um, That's yeah. funny, right there. Yeah, you, yeah, because you're not. And bright. you're probably angry at the rest of the world, and you got a gun, and you got the right to use it. <laughs> I'm angry at the world, but I try to only take it out on small children. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm really nice to kids. I, I, gave, I give them cookies behind their parents' back all the time. That's how you befriend a child. It's so easy. Just cookies all the time. Sweets. Or, or, you know, marijuana. Just kidding. I would never give a child marijuana. I would. I, I wouldn't. The only time, I mean, they can't, they can't get, I mean, it's been 10 years since I did this, more than that. But when I was 25 years old, I was teaching uh, continuation high school in Davis, California. And it was, it wasn't continuation in the normal sense. It was like girls who were, had babies and they were in trouble. And it was through, it was through Clinton. So they had to sign off on 40 hours a week and that's how they got their welfare check, but they had to come to my classroom. Anyways, there was a girl who was like 16 and I actually became kind of like friends with her. Cause I was, was 23, 24, 25 in that age, but we were hanging out and she was like, will you sell me weed? Oh. And so I sold her weed once. And then I asked her once when I did something, I'm like, will you sell me weed? So we had bought, we bought weed off each other, which is like terrible. That's, 